0: Thank you for joining us today for the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast. This is episode 49, Do Not Price Shop Your Competition. We are going to discuss why this is a horrible idea and what you should do instead to set you up for financial success. Also, stay tuned until the end of the show because we are announcing our new book club and our first selection. Thank you again for being here and let's get started.
1: Welcome to the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast with your hosts, wedding planner and educator Renee Dallow, and blogger and social media strategist Mindy Marzek. Listen in as they bring you the best, brightest, and most honest industry advice on the internet. Their mission is to help you, wedding rock star, work smarter, not harder. Hope you're ready because it's time to Rock Your Wedding Biz.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast. Thanks for joining us today. This is Mindy Marzek, and I'm here with Renee Dallow. Hey, hey. Hi, Renee. Hi. How are you doing? I feel like we always kind of jump into it.
2: I know. We don't really ask each other how we're doing. How are you doing? (laughs) How am I doing today? Well, uh, full honesty, one of my clients canceled their wedding today. Oh, no. Yeah, with five days to go or less,
0: four days to go. That's yeah. very cool and very interesting since we just
2: recorded an episode about that very topic. We did. I, I was actually happy that we had recorded the episode so, because I knew exactly what I was going to do. I knew my system, but it's still, a, you know, it's still a bummer. It's still a shock. It's There's a lot going over on over here at headquarters today. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Oh, my yeah. goodness.
0: Well, I really feel for you and I feel for that couple, whatever they're going through. That is a bummer. That is a bummer. But, uh, you know, the show must go on. And so we're recording an episode today about price shopping your competition, which is something I'm not super familiar with since I'm not technically a wedding vendor. Is this something that happens very often?
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah really? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I was thinking about this when we were, when I knew we were recording this episode, I was like, I don't think this ever happens to Mindy because there's, I mean, yeah. like, in, I don't, I can't imagine the circumstance in which, although I, you know what, I suppose for your social media business, you might have been price shopped without knowing maybe if another social sure. media person was like on your site, like checking out your prices. Sure. Yes, that's possible. And I will
0: say that comparing it to the blogging industry, I often wonder what my quote unquote, competition is charging but I would never try to send an email and pose as a brand or a company to try to get that information it just <laughs> feels really feels really icky so but is that yeah. kind of is that kind of what you, you, other wedding vendors do
2: yes and I I'm so glad that you brought it to the basics right because I think some <laughs> people listening are going to be like what is she talking about price shopping so I do. I've been thinking about this a lot, uh, and I, here's what I think it comes. It stems from right. So price shopping basically is exactly what Mindy just said. It's going like I want to know what this person is charging instead of just asking them. I'm going to pretend that I am a potential client, or in Mindy's case, another like a brand. I'm going to reach out and try to get this information in sort of a sneaky way, right? And the the it comes from the idea that perhaps if someone was just asked directly, they might be untruthful. Sure. Yeah. But I think this also comes from the wedding industry's sort of lack of transparency, just in general.
0: Yeah, people just not willing to talk to each other.
2: Yeah, and this sort of very outdated, old-fashioned thing of like, everyone is my competition, right? That might have been true 10 years ago. That might have been the mindset most people were in, but that is not where we are today. Yeah. A few months ago, when we were at Wedding MBA, Mindy, I don't think you were in this particular seminar that I'm about to mention.
0: Yeah, I probably wasn't there. And also when when you brought up doing this
2: episode topic, it, again, it was all kind of foreign to me. So tell me what happened. So I don't want to talk. I don't want to mention the speaker's name because I don't know. I don't want to put anybody on blast. But there was a speaker in the wedding planning track um, who was, I don't remember what her topic was. Her topic was not pricing, but she brought up pricing in her overall, right, in, as one of her talking points. And she has been in the industry forever. She's not old at all but she's very she's been here you know she's a veteran very well respected and she flat out said from the stage in order to set your price you should secretly price shop your fellow wedding planners in your market yikes like she she wasn't even like sugarcoating man. she wasn't like, she didn't beat around the bush she didn't say like well maybe you should ask your friends no she literally said get your assistant of course, and that was also funny, assuming everyone in the room had an assistant, Um, get your assistant to send an anonymous email to your wedding vendors and shop them.
0: Ooh, that feels gross. Yes, right? Send an anonymous email. So it's kind of like I was saying, like, I I wouldn't be able to send an email to a fellow blogger and ask them what their pricing is. I'd have to do it
2: in some covert way. Yeah, you'd have to pretend you were like Nike or something. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know why I picked Nike because I wearing yeah. Nikes probably. But yeah. But yeah. So I I mean, I swear in that moment, I think my I think my whole body went on fire. Like mm. I was so angry immediately. And then I honestly, like, to be honest, I left the room. Like I walked out. I walked out of her of her presentation because I was like, I'm looking around because I wasn't sitting in the main area. Like the room last year was really wide. Um, I was very far away from the stage. I was off on the side. I had kind of snuck in and I looked around at people like, did anyone else hear this? Like I was <laughs> flabbergasted Yeah. And no one was like feeling me clearly. And all of my friends were in the middle section and I couldn't, you know, they have that moment when you're like, what just happened? Like, yeah. <laughs> I just had to leave. Cause I was like, oh, oh no, no, that's not okay. So I put myself in the hallway and I plugged in my laptop and I was basically like working in the hallway. And then, sure enough, like two or three of my what other wedding planner friends came out and they saw me and they were like, Oh my God, did you hear that? I'm like, I left. I had to leave the room. <laughs> so that was my like extremely visceral reaction because I was like, I cannot believe what I'm hearing. Now, I will say this though, you know, my dad is a salesperson. I've mentioned that before on the podcast. And it didn't occur to me until a few years ago that like a lot of what I believe from sales has come from my father, just knowing him, seeing how he sells, just knowing who he is as a human. Right. I've never thought that like sales is a dirty word or like it's only done by people who are trying to do you harm. Like my dad is a super awesome, outgoing, sweetheart of a guy who just wants to tell fun stories and close the deal. You know, right. he's not he's not going to shim sham anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what this this idea this old school idea of price shopping you know i know where it's coming from because and this speaker even said like my mother has been in sales forever she taught me how to do this and i'm thinking yeah she taught you this probably 20 years ago we're not doing that anymore yeah it's old fashioned it's devious it's like you said it's yucky
0: yeah anything where lying is involved makes me very uncomfortable and i feel like it's completely unnecessary because let's get let's get into the point of doing this. Like she said that in order to set your pricing, you need to price shop your competition, right? Correct. That's her point of view. There has to be a better way. Oh, for sure. So <laughs> like, how, how do you set, I we've done a few episodes about pricing, but like, yes, what are other how are other ways
2: to set your pricing <laughs> without doing that? Well, sure. I mean, here's the thing when you're, when you price someone price shop someone in this way, right? First of all, it's not going to yield you any really useful information because if someone were to do this to me, what they're going to get back is great. Let's have a phone call. I'm not giving out my pricing information without a meeting. And I've talked about this endlessly. It's in my course. It's on other episodes we've done about pricing, episode four. I mean, like we're constantly talking about how with wedding planning, it's so specific. I can't just tell you, I can't just throw out a number. It doesn't work that way. So first of all, approaching me in this manner isn't going to get you anywhere, Mm -hmm. right? But then secondly, it isn't really a smart way to set your pricing because just because you know what a fellow planner is charging, you don't know if that business is profitable. It's like what Kristen Kaplan said when she came on our show. Just because someone else is charging $2,000 doesn't mean they're making a $2,000 profit. Sure, or that anyone's even hiring them. Correct. So even just having this information doesn't yield you anything really useful. If you're setting your pricing based on someone else, Maybe that someone else isn't making enough money, or maybe they do it as a hobby, or maybe they don't want anyone to know that they're not profitable. Right? You don't know the, in, the ins and outs of someone else's business, right? So that is not a way to set your true pricing. But then the worst part is that it's very easy to spot.
0: You mean it's easy to spot like a fake inquiry?
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they generally it's from some sort of vague email address, like 2020 wedding at oh, Gmail, right? Yeah. Where you're like, okay, so there's no name. I see what you mean. There's no real date. You know, they're not asking for specific information. Right. Normally when I get an inquiry, it tells me their name, their partner's name, their wedding date, the venue that they've booked, or at least the venues they like, or what they're looking for. It's super rare that I get an inquiry that has no information on it. If I get an inquiry that has no information, I'm like, oh, you're price shopping me. Really? You're price shopping me. Oh, for sure. And then I will Google the email address. And sometimes people aren't even like quote unquote smart enough or shady enough to use a fake email address. I've gotten price shopped from other businesses' email addresses. Really? Yeah, like hello at weddingplannerla.com. And I'm like, okay, really? I can look at your business name. It's right there. That's pretty bold. Yeah. And this was this was a few years ago. I haven't gotten one of those really bold slash stupid ones in a while. But I just want to say like, hey, if you want to know what I'm charging, then just ask me. Okay, but
0: is it really that simple? I'm going to yeah. I'm gonna speak for the introverts here. Sure. Is it really that simple? Because I feel like I could never just go up to someone who does my job and be like, so let's talk about how much you charge and how much I charge. And let's see if we're on the same page. I feel like I would need to maybe have a, a more established relationship, friendship with that person before I can talk money.
2: Sure. I definitely understand that point of view. And I don't necessarily disagree. But I also think that that kind of rapport can be established fairly quickly. Like I was at a networking event last night. It was casual. It was like, you know, 20, 30 people at a bar. uh, And we were just all sitting around. And I was talking to a fellow wedding planner, someone who I, I know, but I don't know very well. You know, we know of each other. And she was... We were sort of talking, she was kind of commiserating about how she's doing a lot of bat mitzvahs this year and blah, blah, blah. And I said something like, well, I hope you're getting paid. And she said, I am. And I said, what are you charging for a bat mitzvah these days? Because I don't feel like that, it's not a secret information, right? Okay. So she told me what she was charging. Then she said, what are you charging for wedding management? I told her. It was all very cut and dry. Like, I don't, there's not a lot of feelings, at least for me, behind like my pricing, I'll certainly have a conversation with someone if they want to know why I'm charging what I'm charging or what I'm successfully charging versus what I'm attempting to aspire to charge. You know what I mean? Like different benchmarks. But, um, But yeah, I don't, I just feel like, in this new mindset in this new age of business you know and we can talk a lot about community over competition and the, what rising tide has done to the creative industry because i think now we're, i don't look at other wedding planners as my competition um, the, most of them are my good friends frankly but i look at them like you are you you and i are coworkers yeah, we work for different businesses, fine. But if if I meet someone and they say, "Look, I'm charging 600 bucks for wedding management." I'm going to be like, "Let's sit down and have a conversation." Because in LA, that's grossly undercharging. Right. You know, I want to have those those frank conversations. What I don't want to do is feel like someone's trying to shimsham me. Yes. I love that term. <laughs> I don't know why. I just I really like it today. It's like from the 20s.
0: <laughs> I don't want anyone to shimsham yeah.
2: me. See? No shimshams. <laughs> Yeah. I'm basically from the 1920s. I love it. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I that I think about often is like, you know, when I was a brand new wedding planner, every single inquiry that I got made me like a little, I got like a little squeal and a happy dance, right? Sure. Just the possibility of getting to do my job was so exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I figured out that one of these new inquiries was fake and how crestfallen I was. Yeah. So think about it. Like if you are shopping someone else. You're literally saying like you're dangling a carrot. Like there might be a job for you. Oh, just kidding. It's fictional. What a bad feeling. Is that a heartbreak? No, I don't like
0: that at all. Don't do it to people. Don't do it. Okay. So let's just play a little devil's advocate or let's talk about a certain scenario. Let's say someone's just starting out. They... Don't have the networking connections yet that maybe you do. Like you're talking about going to an event and sitting at the bar with someone. I I know that that comes with time, but let's just say there's someone who's just starting out. They want to get started. They don't really know where to start. Can this type of thing be done in like Facebook groups or is there any virtual uh, area where someone can do, you know, chat about
2: pricing? You know, I think the conversation can start in a Facebook group. Like I've seen people post and say, like, hey, I'm just starting out. I'm trying to get a handle on what the local pricing is. Does anyone feel comfortable telling me their pricing? You can DM me. Mm, okay. I probably wouldn't post my rates in a Facebook group because I don't know, it feels a little braggy or it's a little too public. Yeah. Because also it's very custom what I do. Sure, yeah. So I can give you a range, you know, I can say, yeah, for wedding management, it's somewhere between twenty eight and thirty-five. And for full planning, it starts at seven, but it can go as high as fifteen. Like, I don't know. You tell me what you need, right? So I can say those numbers and actually everyone listening, those are my real numbers. Um, so there you go. That's my pricing. But Yeah, I think the Facebook group is a good way to start those conversations. I've also had like newer wedding planners reach out and like want to, you know, quote unquote, pick my brain, take me to coffee. I'm not super into those interactions right now in my business, but, you know, paying someone, I've done Skype, you know, sessions where it's like, you know, pay someone for their time and then ask them all those questions, ask them how they started their pricing and how they built their pricing over time. I think it's important when you're starting. I've said this before in our, in our episode about mentorships and, and masterminds, it's important to have a person, right, uh, a mentor that either someone that knows you exist or someone on the internet who, who, if you, they know you exist, you can bounce off of, right. And have these conversations. Cause when I was starting, I had a mentor too. And I remember when I told her what I was charging at, at, at start. So at the start, I think the very first wedding I ever did under Moxie bride, I charged $600 because that's all the bride had left. And she hired me like five days before her wedding. And, um, very shortly after that, I went to 900. And then I told my mentor 900. And she was like, oh, you have to raise your prices. Right. And so we we started this ongoing conversation about like, how am I going to give myself that raise? Right, And I did. But uh, there also are some resources out there. Like, again, Kristen Kaplan has an amazing pricing workbook, uh, which I think if you're listening to this in real time, it might be getting like a refresh. I know she had said a few, um, a few weeks ago that she was pulling it to like, to freshen it up and then relaunch it. So it might not be available at this moment, right today, but go to kristenkaplan.com. We'll put a link in the show notes and sign up for when it is available again. It's pretty basic math, but it's math that you need to be doing to figure out how much you need to make to like live. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know, I've said this, I've said this a, a, a lot, but I feel like you need to be the one giving yourself a raise every few weddings. Right. So, oh, for sure. Even if you're starting at 900. And even in your market, if that is the most you think you can charge, you can probably give yourself a hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollar raise. The more you book, the more experience you get, right? The more experience you get in selling, just give yourself, just bump it up, bump it up, bump it up. Yeah. But the other thing too is like, we should probably talk about this side of the coin as well. So once you have these frank conversations with your fellow planners, right? Once you know someone else's price, there is a bit of vulnerability in that because the, Old school thinking is well, like once someone knows my price, then they can undercut me. Oh, I see. Yeah. So if I know I'm getting I'm up for the same job as Jennifer's up for, but I know Jennifer only charges, you know, twenty five hundred to my twenty-eight, then I can go in with twenty-four thinking, well, for that for that hundred dollars I might win. So that is a mindset that again is a very old school sales mindset. Mm-hmm. It's not the price is right, you guys. We're not tra- you know, we're right. not trying to win by $1, but that is a good point. It is a good point. I, you know, I, I hate even that I use the term win cause it's not necessarily no. what I mean, but you know, there's a few things at play here. So as a business owner, you know, any business, your business, my business, we have the freedom to do whatever we want with our business. We can charge whatever we want. So I'm not suggesting that we're all charging the same price. In fact, that's price fixing and it's actually illegal. Right. Yeah. You don't
0: want to do that. You, there needs to be some variables and it needs to depend on your market area, your experience, et cetera.
2: Right. So whether you and your area are trying to fix the prices at a minimum or a maximum or within some range, P.S., that is illegal. So I know there's some wedding pros out there who are like, I want to gather everyone together and set a minimum. It doesn't work that way.
0: Yeah. And there's always going to be people who come along and and just charge a lower price, like that's always going to exist.
2: Totally. Now, here's the thing: once you have the trust of your fellow planners, or I'm I'm saying planners because that's me. Any any vendor category, right? Any vendor. Um, and once you share that information openly and honestly, you really you cannot, in good conscience, knowingly charge less, significantly less for the same service, right? So, if I bid a wedding, let's say I bid a wedding. Let's make make the math easy, right? say I bid a wedding at $5,000 mm-hmm. and my fellow wedding planner bids it at $4,500. Mm-hmm. To me, that's not undercutting. Okay. That's a signif- That's a, an easy range, right? Even if you're talking about at, at $5,000, the difference of $500, meh, it's kind of marginal. Sure. I get it. But if I'm charging $5,000 and then someone who knows what I'm charging comes in at $2,000, that's undercutting. Sure. It, this is
0: tough because I love the idea of being open and honest and helping each other and the idea of community over competition, but there's always going to be those people who are sneaky and like, how do you tell the good ones from the bad
2: ones, you know? Well, <laughs> I mean, at least in our market, the nice part is we all talk to each other. Right. So if I don't book a wedding I know who gets it because I'll see, I'll look on their Instagram. I mean, sometimes not even on purpose, right? Sometimes I'm looking on someone's Instagram and I'm like, that bride looks familiar, and then I realize, oh, we had a consult with them, right? If I know that wedding planner sig- always charges sig- significantly less than I do, I'm like, oh, well, maybe that's why they booked that person, right? But sometimes you don't know, sometimes you do know, sometimes you find out, sometimes you don't. I guess the, I guess my point is, I always want to run my business ethically. Yes. And in a way that, that I can feel good about. And so if someone else wants to undercut, I they're going to burn themselves out and they're, they're going to regret it. Eventually it's word is going to get around
0: and they're not going to have a business forever.
2: Oh yeah. And I can, I mean, I can, I can tell you, I can tell you exactly in my market who's undercutting. I'm not going to say it on this podcast, but I know. Sure. Because once you're around the same people for years and years and you see trends and, you know, you know, you just know, right. And those people will either burn out or move markets or because they can't afford to live here. I don't it it always kind of works itself out. I don't uh, I don't worry too much about the people who I consider that I think are undercutting. Because I also think that the people who or the clients who are booking those people, you know, they aren't going to necessarily care about how much value I bring to the table. Sure. There are some people who literally just care about the dollars. Yeah, and that's fine, too. There's Listen, there's a wedding planner, there's a wedding professional for every budget for every client. Exactly. Yeah, we're going to do an episode in a few weeks about um the like the luxury market versus the premium market cuz all that stuff cuz I think there's another um misconception in the wedding in the wedding industry that we all should be striving to serve a luxury client. And I think this is where some of us get tripped up in pricing. So we're going to address that in the future.
0: I'll just go out on a limb and say that my wedding wasn't a luxury wedding. Like someone has to Most
2: serve weddings aren't. Someone has to serve the clients like me. Yeah, there are may, way more weddings that are in the moderate to premium category than the luxury category. But everyone gets it in their head that they want to be a luxury whatever, luxury wedding planner, luxury photographer, luxury you know band. Yeah. Everyone thinks that they put the word luxury in front of it, then somehow they're all going to start making a bajillion dollars. It doesn't work that way. And that's kind of a side tangent of this, of the the price shopping. But you know, I I think we can't, we cannot underestimate the the impact really that the Rising Tide Society has had in the last five years on the wedding industry. So I know I'm biased because I'm a leader for Rising Tide. But if you're not familiar with Rising Tide, Rising Tide is a networking group that was started by a group of photographers on the East Coast who were going to networking events and finding that they were not being welcomed. You know, it was a very closed off society that no one really wanted to share with them or talk business with them and kind of regarded them as like, oh, you're new and you're young. Right. So they decided to start their own networking group. And every month, uh, Rising Tiders meet um, the second Tuesday of the month nationwide and actually internationally. Now there's like 500 groups and wow. it's always free and it's always based on wedding business, edu- or not just wedding business, but creative business education. But the motto of Rising Tide, is a rising tide lifts all boats.
0: Right, that's where the
2: uh, the name came from. That famous quote, yes, from JFK. And the the ethos is community over competition. Not that community, uh, not that competition doesn't exist, because of, of course we live in the real world. But it's that the community is greater than the sense of competition, and that's where the industry is going, and has been going. I think.
0: Yeah. Well, I hope so. I think that again. Just the uh, the core values of the Rising Tide Society is that if we all help each other, we will all succeed. Which is really important to me, and I think is really important as a business owner when you set out and you don't have a boss to report to and you don't have coworkers that you see every day. It's really important to find that sense of community, just so that you can chat and you can have these open conversations. So that's why I really like the Rising Tide Society, and I know they're in a ton of places, but. It's part of the reason why I brought up, like, if you're in a small town and you don't have anyone to talk to, can you go to uh, Facebook? And I know that there's a Rising Tide Society Facebook group that's huge and a little overwhelming, Uh, but there's (laughs) there's a lot of local groups too. So if you are in a small town and you feel like you don't have any way to network, check Facebook for, like, the Rising Tide group in the biggest city close to you. You know, just because you don't live in that city doesn't mean you can't join that group and chat with
2: people. Absolutely. And we will link in the show notes to uh, the Rising Tide website, which has a map of all the locations, all the meetups. So you can figure out which one is closer to you and go. Um, I will say that Rising Tide has been a complete game changer for my business, um, mm-hmm. just in the sense, I mean, aside from the community of a competition, which is huge, just in the sense of having uh, people that have your back, right? Oh, other yeah. vendors, other friends, really, who have your back always. Yeah. The other thing we should say about competition is that, you know, there's this great quote that I think about a lot. um, And I don't know who it's attributed to now that I think about it, but it's when you're in your own lane, there's no traffic. And to me, what that means is really getting clear about who it is you serve and and sort of doubling down on whatever niche you you are. So like, we have a good friend who's a wedding planner. I, I use her as an example all the time because it's such a specific thing. But Gabby Norton owns um, a wedding planning company called Cause We Can Events. Mm-hmm. And she, on her website, it says, we specialize in adventurous weddings off the beaten path. So if you want a ballroom wedding, you're not going to call Gabby, right? But if you want to get married at, you know, Moab under canvas in the middle of the desert. She's your girl. She's gonna go. She'll go with you. She's gonna hike. She'll hike with you for four hours before we they get to your ceremony location. She's done that, right? Right. Those clients aren't gonna come to me because I'm not gonna do that, right? Right. (laughs) So you have to know who you're serving and double down on it always, always, always. And that is the. That is the way that the competition ceases to exist anymore, right? Right. When you're just
0: focusing on yourself and serving your clients the best way possible, like it doesn't matter. Like Gabby doesn't care how Renee runs her business and serves her clients. Like it doesn't affect her at all. She has a different type of clientele and she knows that. So you guys can be Mm -hmm. friends. You can go to networking events and you can refer each other and all that. But it doesn't matter if you guys are charging the same thing, you have
2: different clients. Exactly. And Gabby and I talk about business all the time, right? We talk about, we share our pricing. We share, I mean, her pricing, listen, if she's not charging more to hike for four hours before a ceremony, (laughs) she should be. And she knows that, right? So her pricing is not necessarily directly relevant to me, but I'm curious. I'm always curious what my people are doing, right? Like I want to know how I, how I exist in this landscape. Sure. But if, Gabby suddenly said to me, "Like, oh, I'm gonna charge twenty thousand dollars flat every time. I'm not gonna start charging twenty thousand dollars because we're we're doing different things. So everything, I guess. I guess the overall point of the, you know, do not shop your competition is first of all, is there really competition? Who is your competition, and is any of that relevant to you? It shouldn't be. And you know, run your business as ethically as yeah. you feel good about. Don't be a shady." What what was it, what was it I was saying before a shimsham? Don't be a Don't shimsham. Be a oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah,
0: I just feel like it just gives you such bad karma. So like why would you even want to do that? I totally get, you know what? I'll say that I get the temptation to find out information that way. Like you said, it's not necessary and it's not gonna be useful to you anyway. Like once you get that number, what are you gonna do with it? Like it could be completely exactly <laughs> irrelevant the way that someone else is pricing their business. So the first step is to make some friends in the industry, get to know some people and then have some real conversations and trust each other, help each other, prove that you're not going to shim sham anybody. And then people <laughs> will open up to you. It's I mean it's it's definitely a longer path.
2: Yeah. But it's the right path. And also I love that you said it's a longer path because here's the thing. Setting your prices should take you a little bit of time. You can't just pick a number out of thin air because it won't mean anything. It won't serve you as a business owner to just arbitrarily pick a number and get going. Right. And it also isn't, it's
0: a temporary number because like you said, you should always be bumping up your pricing a little bit as you go along. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, if you enter a different market after a few years, that's going to change things. So- yeah, it's fluid. The pricing should be fluid.
2: Absolutely, and like you said, once you have more experience, charge more because you own that now, right? Everything is like I love that you said everything is fluid. It's so true. Everything is fluid, and yeah. that's another reason why I say no pricing on the website. But I, that's a whole other Oprah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the just anyone who was who's listening, who was at Wedding MBA last year, who happened to be in this seminar, I just want you to know that there is like a giant part of, of our industry who completely disagreed with that woman. And there was a lot of talk right after, like there was a lot of people going to Instagram stories, a lot of talk in the Facebook groups like refine Um, and I'll link to refine in the show notes. I actually was thinking the other day, I don't think we've ever linked to the Refine group for wedding planners in the show notes. If you're a wedding planner and you're listening and you're not in the Refine group, you got to get in there. Um, It's just a massive group of wedding planners, but it's a really excellent source of, uh, disinformation and and so much in there that's been there for years that you can research but I know Amber who runs the Refined group immediately went live in the group to be like hey if you were there we don't no one agrees with this <laughs> <laughs> we were all trying to put out fires immediately it's
0: so funny this is a bit of a side tangent but something similar happened to me with my industry i was at a online marketing conference and i was in a i forget what the session topic was but the subject of disclosures came up, you know, when you do online marketing, if you're if you use an affiliate link, if you have any type of advertising link that you're using, you have to disclose that to your audience. And the speaker who was there was an attorney. I don't really know. I don't remember who she was, but she was an attorney and she was speaking with authority on this topic. And someone brought up disclosures on Twitter and the thing that stuck out to me that i remember is that she said if you're a big celebrity like kim kardashian and you're promoting a product they don't have to disclose because everybody knows that everything they're promoting is an advertisement so they don't have to say it
2: and i was like oh my god Did your whole face melt? You're like the Instagram, I'm the, you know, the Instagram police. Yeah, I'm the internet <laughs> police. Like this
0: sort of stuff really grinds my gears because I'm very like goody two-shoes and I have to make sure everything is like proper and I don't want to break the law. And I, I, I had the same reaction that you did when you hurt when you were in your, uh, Presentation where I just like my heart started beating really fast and I got like sweaty palms and I was like I got to get out of here and I did the same thing where I left and I found a friend out in the hallway and I was just like you'll never believe what I just heard in there <laughs> it was like horrifying
2: yeah no it's it's almost you almost feel like that's unbelievable what just happened it was
0: unbelievable what just what this person of authority stood in front of a crowd and gave them
2: just completely incorrect information. Yeah. Like you said, speak with authority. Like this person got up on a stage with a microphone where, sh- where he or she knew someone was going to take what they said to heart and, and just gave the worst advice. Like there is, so- it's a whole other thing we can get into, but
0: you and I should do a conference where everything is always correct. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and done. We'll get working on that. You guys <laughs> T- on that. Stay tuned. <laughs> okay. So In summary, do not price shop your competition. If you want to know someone's price, just ask them. If you're trying to set your own price, do not go about it this way. Check out Kristen Kaplan's pricing workbook. Join Rising Tide. Make some friends. Don't undercut your fellow wedding planners. The end.
0: Everyone can do it that way. And you won't feel like you're doing shady practices because we obviously don't condone any type of shady practices in your business. If we
2: find out any of you are shim-shamming anybody, you're out. (laughs) cut off from the podcast. (laughs) That's right. Um, Mindy, can we talk about uh, our new little project that we have via the podcast about our little book club? Sure. So we don't, we hesitate to call it a book club because we don't know if we're going to do it past this one book. (laughs) Is that true? Is that fair? Yeah. But um, we have decided that we would like everyone to read with us a book called The Big Leap Conquer Your Hidden Fear and Take Life to the Next Level. It is by an author called Gay Hendricks. Uh, This is the book that we talk about often when we talk about um, the zone of genius or when we talk about like uh, upper limiting. These are all concepts that are from this book. And so uh, we thought it would be a great non-specific, not wedding specific. Right. It's business.
0: It's like if you own your own business, this is a good book you.
2: Yes. So the idea is that um, now that we've announced it, you will all go to the link in the show notes and buy this book. You can get it on your Kindle. You can get it as an audiobook, You can get it as a paperback. If you want to spring for the big bucks, you can get it as a hardcover. We're not here to tell you mm-hmm. how to get it. You just get the book. <laughs> and then in a few weeks, uh, we will do a podcast episode about the book, talking about our impressions of the book. And then we will continue the conversation in our Facebook group.
0: Yeah. I think this is going to be really fun. I think it's going to be a fun project and hopefully it goes well and we can do more books and you guys can recommend some business books for us. We have a yeah. few on a list already, mm-hmm. but we wanted to start with this one because we do, We I, I'm not sure how often we've referenced it in the podcast, but I know amongst each other, we talk about our zone of genius a lot. Yeah, <laughs> And the zone of genius concept is a, is just really, really smart. And something that I want to learn to apply in my business more. So I've read the book already, but I'm going to reread it uh, along with Renee and along with all of you who might want to join us. Uh, And then, yeah, so if you listen to the podcast episode when it comes out and you haven't read the book, you'll still get a a lot of stuff from that podcast episode but if you read the book it will be even more beneficial so we encourage everyone to check out the book again we will have the link in the show notes it's our affiliate link full disclosure we will put our amazon affiliate link in the show notes so you can use that or don't use our affiliate link doesn't matter you can
2: help us make 10 cents or not it's up to you (laughs)
0: It's up to you. Uh, but yeah, I think this is going to be
2: a fun uh, project to do and I'm really looking forward to it. Me too. And so if you're listening in real time, uh, know that you have about a month to read the book. It's a quick read. So again, it's, the, it's called The Big Leap, Conquer Your Hidden Fear and Take Life to the Next Level by Gay Hendricks. Again, link in, link in show notes. Yeah, check it
0: out. We will also uh, put a link in the Facebook group. So be sure that you're there. Rock Your Wedding Biz Podcast Insiders. We will see you there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for your reviews, your comments, your emails. We love them all so much. We really appreciate you listening. And we will see you on the next episode. See you there. Bye for now.
1: Thank you for listening to Rock Your Wedding Biz. This episode is sponsored by Moxie Bread Events, wedding planning for creative couples and industry education for creative event planners. Also sponsored by Joy Social, teaching smart social media strategies for awesome business owners. You can find Renee online at moxiebreadevents.com and reneedallo.com. You can find Mindy online at joysocial.net. Jump into the show notes at rockyourweddingbiz.com and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Wedding Biz.